Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the simplest cloud platform for developers and teams with products like Droplets, Spaces, Kubernetes, Load Balancers, Block Storage, and pre-built one-click apps. You can deploy, manage, and scale cloud applications faster and more efficiently on DigitalOcean. Whether you're running one virtual machine or 10,000, DigitalOcean makes managing your infrastructure way too easy. Get started for free with a $100 credit. Head to do.co slash changelog. Again, do.co slash changelog. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Changelog, a podcast featuring the hackers, the leaders, and the innovators of software development. I'm Adam Stachowiak, Editor-in-Chief here at Changelog. On today's show, we're talking to Kyle Daigle, the Director of Ecosystem Engineering at GitHub, to talk about GitHub Actions, the new automation platform recently announced at GitHub Universe. GitHub Actions is the next big thing coming out of GitHub since the pull request, with the promise of powerful workflows to supercharge your repos and your GitHub experience. You can build your container apps, publish your packages to registries, or even automate welcoming messages to new users to your open source projects. With access to interact with the full GitHub API and any other public API, actions are executed on demand as auto-scale containers and offer what seems like limitless possibilities. Today, we talk through all that. So Kyle, you're a director of ecosystem engineering. And I think that's the first time I've seen that title. I'm curious. I know what ecosystem is and I know what engineering is. But when you combine them, what does that mean? Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's it's what a lot of other companies might just call their external platform team. You know, so for us, ecosystem is responsible for all of the APIs, the API based identity, uh, the marketplace, which lets folks, you know, find integrations uh, and lets uh, integrators make money on their integrations. Uh, in some ways, it's also, you know, billing and things like that. It's it's tying everything together to make GitHub be useful to you um, without just GitHub, if that makes sense. But uh, the kind of fastest way to explain it is just if it is integrated with GitHub, it usually comes through one of our teams. And you direct that. And I, I direct that. It's not as glamorous as being on a film set. I don't have my own chair with my name on it. Bummer. But oh, come on. I, I know you would think working from home, I could just do that, but I'm pretty sure my well, wife would find that. you can get your own chair, right? I know, but <laughs> I feel He's like that's even more presumptuous. <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I uh, at this point I am uh, solidly into engineering management, and I manage other managers who are running these teams. So I'm able to work with some extremely smart people that know their area very, very well, um, and then we just work together. Uh, cross-functionally to ensure that, you know, as someone's adding something to the GraphQL API, we're also considering how that impacts um, GitHub apps and OAuth and kind of so on and so forth. And part of that, you were on the platform team, so similar, but not the same. Is that, am, am I correct in that? 
Yeah. So one of the things that GitHub really spent a lot of time on in 2018 is figuring out how to make GitHub more of a platform for software development instead of necessarily like a uh, a feature company. You know, we obviously do Git hosting, but that's just the bread and butter. We also have mm-hmm. code review, etc. But then what we saw was, you know, 60% of our uh, users and organizations were using some sort of external integration. You know, they were using CI or they were using project boards or something like that. And so GitHub created a platform group, which uh, comprises uh, a lot of both the API side, but also the actual compute, the execution side, how we connect with all these companies, how we store data, how we run uh, arbitrary code, all those sorts of things inside of this platform group. Uh, So we focus on how to make your experience on GitHub better by using something else, whereas um, the other half of GitHub's engineering group is responsible for how to make GitHub the best GitHub it can be, uh, including our client apps that are attached to that. So it's really sort of a we have a dual audience of the consumer and sometimes the consumer in a business in between us, yeah. you know, um, that facilitates that. And I guess the other side of that too is marketplace. You were part of mm-hmm. the GitHub marketplace. So you played, I'm sure a pivotal role in the creation of that and the inception of that. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, so one of the things that's been really tricky for integrators is that we had a bunch of really great integrators that have been around for a while, right? Like Travis CI started uh, with working with open source. And then we've gotten folks like Waffle and Zenhub and Circle CI, like all of these companies that have been around for, you know, almost as long as we have, or at least as long as we've had the API, right? The thing that I was sort of curious about was folks are finding CI tools pretty readily. Like nowadays, you know, almost everyone uses CI to some degree, or at least knows you should be testing your code. As you go down the pipe, though, project management becomes a bit more interesting. Static code analysis, security and dependency management, which is sort of the hot new thing this year with all of the more recent uh, 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 compromises of packages and so on. Like, how do you find and know about these verticals, never mind the tools, you know? And so we started uh, with something we called the integrations directory, which was just like raw listing all of these things out, um, which really helped customers find these new things. But the next step for me was what, developer out there or small business is building an internal tool or building a tool for themselves and they want to bring it to market, that takes so much work and so much time to, you know, do the billing, do the uh, processing, do all that stuff. Instead, I was hoping that we would be able to bring new things to market and not just sort of capture the existing great companies that there are. And so Marketplace for me was really about that is getting these new interesting tools that maybe you haven't heard about because it's run by a tiny team or is brand new. Uh, in front of, you know, the 30 plus million yeah. uh, software developers. Um, and so that's been that's been the big journey for that uh, product, I think, in the past uh, two years it's been around. Certainly a point of exposure for, as you mentioned, smaller teams. So if I, you know, Jared and I got excited one day, and we're like, hey, we want to compete with everybody who does CI and CD. Uh, you know, given that we may be willing to share a percentage of the income with GitHub, which we wouldn't mind, right, Jared? Yeah, why not? Um, Sure. Then, you know, marketplace would be, you know, a smart place to begin because what's the barrier to entry, right? Is, is getting a listing and be maybe being accepted. Is there criteria for being accepted these days or is it sort of more loose? Yeah. I mean, there, there's some pretty simple criteria. It's really that you kind of have to have some traction on your side so we can prove to some degree that, you know, users find this valuable and this isn't sort of a, uh, a, a no u- a non-used integration but like for one example i have is uh, pull reminders which i'm not sure if either of you've heard about but it's a 
It's a really interesting <laughs> integration that uh, a gentleman, uh, Abi Noba, built. Uh, and you can like Google pull reminders and look up his story. It's really interesting. He basically built this side thing. Uh, he ended up selling it in the GitHub marketplace. It makes enough money now where this is his thing, you know, and it's his one thing. And all it really does is looks at your pull requests and reminds teams and people to review them if they haven't reviewed them in a timely fashion. So it's not even so competing smart. with CI. It's, you know, it's that niche tool that in most cases, there'd be no financial reason to try to do, if that makes sense. The, the barrier to entry would be too high to go convince a company that you should use this one person tool. But because they get into marketplace and we take away a lot of it and they can in some ways be next to these large players. Now we have a tool that really helps our own customers and us, you know, do this one tiny thing. And I think honestly, that's where I think developer tools will be going in the next couple of years is less of these huge, like we do CI, we do static code analysis and much more like we will run this one type of file for you, or we will, you know, just do uh, Ruby dependency management or whatever versus we have to do everything because it's going to become so much harder to compete, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by trying to do all of these things at once and clouds and, while GitHub may not be a quote unquote cloud, it's similar in the way that um, cloud infrastructure allows you to be a software vendor inside their cloud. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think if you look at, you know, Microsoft, Amazon or Google, you see them encroaching into the developer tool space, right? Because yes. if, if, if your value add is a percentage of uh, improvement on top of raw CPU, if that makes sense. So like CI, I would say, right, is primarily running the code. There's all kinds of amazing features that get added on top of that that make that more valuable. But the real raw cost is that incremental improvement. It's uh, like AWS, uh, AWS's uh, Git repo hosting. Like it's an incremental improvement on top of CPU and storage. If your developer tool is just that, is its primary market is a bit more than cloud hosting, you're always going to struggle, in my opinion, because those companies are going to make more money on their own CPU than you will, you know, by buying their CPU. So it's really about how do you change the developer experience and give more than just what a CPU or SSD can um, with some incremental improvement, which is why I think folks like Abi are doing something really interesting where a company will pay dollars per user to get access to that tool um because it's it's adding it's creating a new experience for that team that will have a much more uh uh, a much larger effect on the overall productivity than say you know i'm going to create a ci that works across any cloud platform because Mm -hmm. those cloud platforms are all entering that space anyway so as you talk about changing the developer experience the main thrust of this conversation is is the the new shiny github actions yeah. Which will definitely change the developer experience. It seems to be complementary to marketplace in certain ways. And perhaps as an outsider's view, it seems like it's at odds with marketplace potentially in other ways. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. But GitHub Actions, you all announced that at Universe in October. And uh, there was a lot of interesting conversations around what Actions is and what it implies I liked what James Governor said over at Red Monkey, called it low-key revolutionary, which I <laughs> yeah. thought that was a nice compliment. Um, and he says, GitHub Actions feels like a profound launch, one that will prove extremely disruptive in the long term. Take us back to the launch of GitHub Actions. Well, first, for those who aren't initiated, or didn't see Universe, or haven't been inside the public beta, um, tell us what GitHub Actions is, and then we'll talk about the, the announcement and the launch. Yeah, sure. So uh, GitHub Actions uh, allows you to have 
workflow automation inside of GitHub. And so going one step less uh, <laughs> less vague than that, we are running code for the first time. That's really, the I think, the big change here. And we're giving you tools in order to run that code in a singular workflow. And each of these uh, little pieces is called an action. You can put actions next to each other in a workflow to ultimately accomplish something. And that can be things like building and deploying. It can be uh, checking for best practices if those are happening by running these little actions that are ultimately just Docker containers uh, on your behalf uh, inside of this workflow. Um, since we've released in this beta, all of the actions are open source uh, from our side. So folks are writing new ones. We wrote some initial ones. Um, the workflow is just a file inside of your repository. Uh, and we've been adding more and more folks to the beta uh, at, at this point just to kind of get more and more feedback as to what they... Uh, what you know what they like the most about the feature but i would say as a developer really it's github's running code on your behalf for the first time that's the mm. that, that i think is the low-key revolutionary uh yeah thing that uh, red monk said that's why it's potentially extremely disruptive uh announced in october still not public public it's in beta so people are out there playing with it we've been uh in the beta got to play around with it a little bit um very cool stuff but Man, there is a lot going on here. So you have this cool visual editor. You have this workflow file, which is kind of a DSL for describing these things. Uh, obviously, you're running arbitrary code inside of containers, you know, on your infrastructure. So the security concerns, probably uh, uh, concerns with load and, you know, people uh, using it for all improper reasons. So <laughs> I guess my question is, you know, how much work was this and how long have you all been working on it? Yeah, so uh, it was a lot of work. So I would say about a, a, a year from when we announced it, uh, we wanted to really tackle the problem that we, we started to see in customer usage of GitHub, which is most folks do something integration based, like I mentioned at the beginning, they use an outside tool. And then there's an issue because when you use CI, for example, and then you ultimately have to deploy those two systems need to talk to each other in some way. Generally speaking, if you're using a continuous deployment workflow, your CI runs, it passes, and then you deploy. Um, and so what we kept seeing is, are, were these workflows that each integrator either had to work with each other to make work, which was always going to be a, a, you know, a one to many problem, or the customer would have to sort of put all their pieces together. They might use an external CI, but they use an internal deployment tool and those things don't talk to each other. So we kind of did an exploration around this idea of what would it be like to run your workflow uh, within GitHub? So that way your workflow is a lot closer to your code. We always want you to use whatever tool you think is right for you, whether that's the one like candidly in a lot of companies, the one you're forced to use, you know, uh, and add in things that, that you're more excited about, uh, better CI tools, better project management tools, better packaging tools, whatever, um, inside these flows. So initially when we started to look at this, we were sort of looking at a, um, pure workflow, uh, conduction aspect, you know, like we would, we would have a way for you to define all this. And then we would just go out to integrators and go out and sort of talk to them and tell them mm -hmm. what to do. But what we ultimately sort of landed on was what I think made pull requests so valuable is what would happen if we just let the customer do what they want to do and not sort of be a facilitator of workflow, but just be raw what are you trying to do? You're trying to build your Docker container. Great. And then push it up to a registry. Great. Like 
we shouldn't mm. say, okay, well, we've integrated with these four, so you're good to go. Or tell integrators, now you got to integrate with this new thing. It's, okay, let's just give the customer the raw compute. And so over the course of that year, when we are trying these ideas and working with customers and showing people internally and with our partners, we sort of made the shift to uh, kind of what you were alluding to, which is the much, much, much harder problem yeah. of arbitrary code execution. But at the end of the day, like now that folks are starting to use it in the beta, we're seeing so much um, really interesting usage to this because there's the obvious stuff of, okay, great, I can build or I can run CI or whatever. But then there's all the little friction things that you do every day when you write software. Like every time I open a PR, I have to label it with work in progress or what, whatever, you know, whatever your organization asks you to do. Why not just let actions do that? And it's right next to the code so folks can iterate on that. And you don't need to go and ask for a server to be spun up or go spin up a Heroku dyno and make sure that never goes down. And all of those little things that almost any software developer has had to do, just say, okay, great to find it in a workflow file. Hopefully there's already an open source action and mm -hmm. we'll run it for you. And so two thoughts on that. Well, I guess a thought and a question. The, the thought is that it seems very much in the spirit, like the way you guys landed on seems more in the spirit of Git itself, which doesn't dictate to you, like this is how you will use me in terms of like, this is your branching model or this is your collaboration model. You know, Git is a power tool, but we can all kind of use it the way that we want to in certain ways. That's why we have, you know, tutorials on Git flow and this is how you should do this. This is how you should do that. Should I rebase? Should I force push, et cetera. Um, so really the, the model that you guys picked seems like it's in the spirit of Git itself, which is kind of neat. Um, maybe speak to that while I try to remember my actual question. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it is. I think the issue, which I think you can see with Git and Git adoption is that freedom creates a lot of overhead because you have to know all the workflows and right. everyone can have a slightly different workflow, uh, you know, how to create a new branch or what your forking model is and so on and so forth. So with actions, we decided to start with uh, like what I've been kind of calling the prosumer approach, which is, you know, okay, you can do anything. But I think what we fully expect is as folks put together these workflows that we can start to say like, oh, you're a Ruby app, a Ruby web app, and you want to do, uh, you know, package, uh, package your app or, you know, containerize your app or whatever, or you're a Ruby gem and you want to push it up. We should be able to make it easier for those folks by just saying, okay, like, here's the workflow for that. Like, here's what the community has sort of definitively right. def said is this, or here's what Kyle uses. Kyle prefers this workflow. And that to me gets us closer to like the Git flow model, which, you know, the community is kind of, uh, you know, rallied around to some degree. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with you that instead of trying to be, you know, predictive of our customers' needs, we figured, okay, everyone, like, we all have our custom setup with IDEs. We all have our custom way that we do all our little things. Like, let's not presuppose that we're going to nail that and just say, all right, we'll give you the hard version first. And then as the community sort of figures out what works best for them, we can start to show you via marketplace, for example, these complete flows that then you could use. Mm -hmm. Similar to the Heroku's build pack idea where you can write a build pack from scratch, but you know, most people don't have to because, well, is there a build pack for Elixir and Phoenix? Sure there is. I'll just go use that one and I don't have to actually worry about the nitty gritty. Same with workflows. Once we have the, the repository of you know, awesome actions as Adam found actually exists on GitHub, but I'm sure there'll be like an official actions place where we can share. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe there will be, you know, you can just go grab what you need and, and then you're helped without having to actually uh, know all of the the details themselves. I did remember my question, which it seems like the small stuff that you're talking about, um, the minor 
grease, you know, added to our, our workflows that will help our developers lives. It seems like a lot of that stuff right now is being done with bots. Um, yep. are you, do you see actions, you know, maybe down the road, pretty much taking the place of what people are using bots for today? Um, I, I definitely think a lot of the things like ProBot, you know, like uh, especially does a lot yeah. of these little tasks. I definitely think that actions can fill that hole for you. Um, we actually uh, went through ProBot with uh, uh, one of the maintainers and made it so that way you can bring your ProBots to actions like out of the gate. You don't need to make any changes. You can just put it in as one of the actions nice. uh, and it'll just work because that's the thing is we all... The issue isn't the bot like the probot library is fantastic. You know, writing a, a bot for them is actually quite simple. The issue is the deployment of that <laughs> and then keeping it running in like yes. all of those little things that just add up. You might do one and then you're like, do I really need to comment every time? you know, a user does this one action, eh, not enough to create another bot or like try to host it or whatever. And with actions, the hope is that by taking away the execution, folks are going to build interesting activities, you know, or, or, you know, I hate to use the word actions again, but <laughs> actions in it. Um, and, and let us just take care of the less interesting thing, which is, you know, to an individual code execution at scale and, and securely, uh, code execution's a little, little tricky. Well, no one wants to run through their own infrastructure, right? Like it's, it's becoming a, a lazy world in those ways where if you have to run your own server forward or somehow find a way to run that bot, then you're probably not going to do it. Like you just said. Right. Yeah. Or it's just too painful, you know, and if I can get away with GitHub doing it for free, assuming even it's with free it, forever. Even in installing the apps, like I'm, I'm so lazy and perhaps I maybe even incompetent in place. Like, well, just install this app into your repository. And I'm just like, nah, I'm done. Like, I'll just go without that little grease, I guess. Cause I got app fatigue or something. So it's nice that you can just drop a workflow file into your repo and be done with it versus going through the app and credentialing mm -hmm. and et cetera. Yeah. And I think it, I think it overly impacts too like the larger businesses, you know, cause for us, you know, if I'm on a side app where I work for a small company or whatever, like I can just go spin up that Heroku instance or use glitch or like whatever right. to run these things. But I mean, if you're in a fortune 1000 company, that's not how it works. You know, you got to go call it and provision another server or get access to more VMs or mm -hmm. like whatever it is. And so they can't, even though they're dying to, cause it's just not, it's, it's not worth it. It's hard to convince someone that spending an extra N dollars a year is worth, you know, having this little workflow automation, you have to build a case study and whatever else. And so the hope was that if we made this easier for them, as well as the open source community, which already has a ton of the automation, but also has to pay the tax on infrastructure, um, you know, just have us run it. And that should take a lot of the, the stress away from you. To me, it, I mean, this is kind of a weird, but this is just this the way my brain works. It kind of reminds me of the WordPress plugin ecosystem back in the day. Like, mm -hmm. you know, You'd sure you'd put your blog out there. And this is obviously early in my day of like learning to be a developer or even play on the web. And so I'm learning as I go and I just sort of would scour other blog posts and or the directory to find things I could just install to WordPress and magic happens. This kind of seems like that where, you know, I may get lost in this actions list when when and if everyone is truly created besides Sarah Drasner's awesome list. Um you know, to sort of just say, like, what can I do with actions and dream a little? Yeah, I think it's uh, like uh, the way I've described it to the team is really that, you know, we, we've always had GitHub customers that integrated. But like, uh, you know, we've built APIs, we've built ways for them to authenticate. We have SDKs like we have all the nuts and bolts, all the tools that would make sort of a, a better GitHub experience for folks. But there there is a barrier to entry there. And, and what I think actions does is it makes every 
GitHub user, a potential integrator, you know, so you'll have the, the ability, like you said, build your own little thing and give it a shot or find a thing or let the community's actual, you know, usage of these actions help show you what is valuable. Because I think that's the thing that's been always really interesting to me, especially having worked on marketplaces that everyone is trying to tackle the problem of what is the best X, you know, like whatever the best CI tool or the best whatever. And unfortunately, that's a really hard problem to solve because in software development, it doesn't matter if you are the quote unquote best CI for Ruby, you might have a particular thing or you might use multiple languages where it just doesn't work. And I think the thing I'm interested with actions is, you know, with with these workflow file definitions and with them being shared publicly, like uh, if, if they're shared publicly, like we'll be able to better understand the community, what the repos are being used uh, by these actions. If the actions are used in a repo that is half Ruby, half JavaScript or half .NET or whatever, uh, you know, we're able to help hopefully tell you a little bit more of, hey, you want to start? Why don't you start with this one action um, all the way through to like we, we were talking about actions when we finally landed on that. It was a very interesting way to help potentially onboard GitHub users. You know, if you're a brand new user to GitHub and you have never interacted with the GitHub product, then, you know, we can show you a way to sort of like get started and play with some programming inside of a repo. And it's just an action because we'll execute it on your behalf. Um, it's 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 hopefully uh, raising the sort of water level of what folks can expect from like a software development platform where you can kind of dive in and do these things like like WordPress plugins, like Atom plugins, like your IDE of choice plugins, all these little things where you can add in and hopefully make a bigger difference. Um, but I, I agree that discovery will probably be the next big thing um, for us to help users with uh, as actions, you know, grow and grow and grow. This episode is brought to you by Git Prime. Git Prime helps software teams accelerate their velocity and release products faster by turning historical Git data into easy to understand insights and reports. Because past performance predicts future performance, Git Prime can examine your Git data to identify bottlenecks, compare sprints and releases over time, and enable data-driven discussions about engineering and product development. Ship faster because you know more, not because you're rushing. Get started at gitprime.com changelog. That's G i t p r i m e dot com slash changelog again getprime.com slash changelog so let's talk about actions how it works Tell us the as much as you can, you know, nerd out with us on the way it's built, the way that we use it. Uh, I'll give a, a quick plug to Jesse Frizzell's blog where she posted the life of a GitHub action, which was super useful for me to understand uh, how it all fits together. Even though I did get in and play with the visual editor, I didn't have an actual goal in mind. And it's very <laughs> difficult to build an action where you're like, well, I'm just kind of poking around at things. I don't really understand what's going on here. But when you have a goal, it's a lot easier, I assume. Um, but we will link that up in the show notes. We actually almost got Jess on the call today, but the schedule didn't quite work out. Maybe another time, Jess, Definitely. but this is a great post. So do your best impression of her. Give us the life of a GitHub action in your words, 
help us understand uh, how everything fits together when I'm trying to use this. Yeah, Je- Jess is a thousand percent cooler than I am. And so unfortunately, <laughs> I will leave that to her, but um, hopefully she can come on. So uh, basically with actions, there's a there's a couple of moving parts. So you mentioned the visual editor. So we make it easy for you to go in and you can drag and drop and basically say on a particular event. And this is a generally like a webhook event. So when a pull request is open, when an issue is open, when something is pushed, when a ref is deleted, all those sorts of things, I would like you to run an action. Um, and in the visual editor, it's easy to see that you can also parallelize actions. So I would like you to run these two actions. And then as each um, action completes, it'll go you know down the line, so on. So you can create this interesting uh, dependency list where you can parallelize to two separate actions. I'd like you to run CI over here, and I would like you to check dependencies. And then if both of those pass, I want you to package this and push it up to a registry, for example. And so the visual editor makes that very clear. But under the hood, we use workflow files, and the visual editor ultimately goes down to that. The workflow file is ultimately a subset of HCL, um, the HashiCorp language. Uh, So if you're familiar with any of those products, uh, uh, it's a very similar syntax. It's not completely it, but it's uh, a subset. Uh, We chose that in part because we wanted to make a workflow file that was very clear to understand that didn't have a lot of sort of cruft. It was human readable, which is the primary Mm -hmm. concern. So we looked at, you know, all the obvious uh, uh, suspects, YAML, JSON, so on. Um, But ultimately landed on this because we thought it it was like honestly aesthetically pleasing, which we thought would be a very important part of how easy it would be to, you know, fill these things out as human beings. So that's the first piece here. Now, skipping from the workflow file to an individual action, an individual action is ultimately just a uh, Docker container. And that container can do, uh, you know, basically anything you can fit inside it. You get a single um, uh, CPU uh, with some memory that'll take care of what your action is trying to accomplish. So if you look in the open source examples of what actions can do, usually you see, you know, uh, 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 the Docker file saying uh, when, where we're actually going to run this thing, what it does, so on and so forth. Any Docker container should work. There's some limitations around exactly what we let you do with Docker, but we're working with the community to sort of make sure we're making it as broad as is possible. Um, each one of those gets a couple of things for free. Each action gets a GitHub token for free. It also gets a checkout of the repository that you are working in for free. And so mm-hmm. in this way, we're trying to make it very simple for you to do things like run these tests, go look at these files in my repo, yeah. then call the GitHub API and create an issue, et cetera. Um, the actions environment is ultimately a VM where we're running these actions uh, on your behalf. And we're using that VM boundary primarily for uh, uh, you know the, sec- the security concerns that we have. We do some interesting things with Docker to make it a little bit uh, uh, more secure and, and, and so on. But ultimately, at the end of the day, all of this code is going into a VM for us to run uh, for you. In between mm-hmm. all this, we have a couple of services that help us do this. Uh, GitHub is generally kind of notoriously a monolithic Rails application. Um, but in this instance, we have uh, the launch editor itself, which is the drag and drop and workflow file piece. It's its own service. Uh, ultimately, uh, the, the tool that actually receives these events and decides whether a workflow needs to be run is its own separate service. And then ultimately, the tool that is running the code and sort of orchestrating and scheduling it uh, is, a, is a separate service as well. Um, so that's kind of the, the quick, the very quick overview of how a workflow file visually or workflow file wise tr- 
triggers these actions based on events. And then ultimately, these actions are all run inside of a VM, uh, which has access to, you know, the GitHub token, uh, yeah. the repo, and then also some secrets. Uh, if you wanted to put some, uh, you know, outside tokens in, we support all that and keep it encrypted as well. Who's the GitHub, to the token that you get for free? Who is that authenticated as? Yeah, so the token is currently authenticated as um, basically a contributor to the repository. So it's it's making it as easy as possible to let you kind of kick off. Um, like one of you mentioned, it can be a little bit tricky to deal with authorizing these outside apps, you know, or at least mm -hmm. you get fatigue in it. So the goal was to make it be make it have the same rights as someone that can push to the repository. Um, okay. We're working with the community to figure out what sort of limitations folks would want on that. You know, I can totally see someone saying, don't ever let an action see code, but I want them to deal with issue comments, for example. So that'd be probably be something that we would add in the future. And inside the Docker container, the world is yours, right? So I mean, the, the world example, is yours. I, I saw what in Jess's blog, she had basically the, the workflow that she had is when you push, or sorry, when you merge a pull request, back into the master branch it's going to delete the the feature branch because uh, you guys do have that nice button there which is usually what I, I use after a merge uh to delete that branch but this would just automatically clean up the just merged branch and hers is a bash script and so it's just you know uh ugly old bash doing a doing its thing <laughs> hitting the github api with the token and stuff but um that's just because she picked that you could run ruby in there you could run python just whatever it's docker do your thing did I hear you correctly say it was one CPU and some RAM? Yeah, I, I think it's one CPU and four or six gigabytes of RAM. Um, another thing we're kind of dancing around with to figure out what the right, uh, you know, amount of compute is. Right. For put what too much there, people to abuse it, put, in, put not much there and yep. people won't use it. Exactly. I think at this point when we've been talking to folks, it's been pretty much okay for any, you know, uh, like, like, like you both said at the beginning, reasonable use of, uh, of what this is. Uh, yeah. but you're totally right. I mean, if we put in an eight core machine with 32 gigabytes of Ram or whatever, um, the question would be, you know, what exactly is it's being used for, but we know that C like CI, like especially inside GitHub, right. Needs a bit beefier of a machine than a single for CPU sure. and a couple gigs of Ram. So, um, we're, we're, we're working on what our options are there to, to give some more compute where it makes sense. So if you have a workflow that has parallelized actions, um, are those each on their own resources though? So I could split up my tasks and run them in parallel or is that just, are they all share a singular V multiple containers on one VM? So I believe it's currently in a, a single flow. Uh, Jess is uh, like in, in all her blog posts, Jess and some other folks on the actions team are also looking at ways that we can, you know, make that be a bit more flexible. Like you mentioned, mm -hmm. so you're not sort of doing everything on a single CPU. Um, so looking at what our options are to allow for uh, the parallel tracks to have their own VMs, maybe each action should have its own so that way it has its own compute depending on what you're doing. Um, but yeah, you should be able to run the, the parallel tracks, um, uh, semi-independently depending on exactly how the dependency tree maps as one of the very interesting things in this and like if you watched the github universe stuff it gets a little tricky to kind of like describe but ultimately you know if uh, if you're branching off and both of those things need to work for this last thing to uh, you know uh, ultimately run there's this dependency tree that we have to build in order to make it run and ultimately that tree is what's telling us like sort of where things are able to uh, execute in these VMs, man. I, I, I f I've forgotten how difficult it is to describe visual, <laughs> visual <laughs> things. I have my hands here, which aren't helping anyone but me at the moment <laughs> over there. Hand waving. Uh, exactly. very good. Well, we do our best with, with the audio that we have and 
uh, we link out to everything else. So definitely we will link to the GitHub Universe yeah. videos. There's a bunch of demos as well as, uh, as you mentioned, the blog posts. So people can get their hands on it. But more and more people are getting into the beta. So tell us about the status of things. It's it's in beta. You can have access. There's a, a application process. But it seems like maybe you guys let in a wave of people last week because all of a sudden there's a bunch of buzz again. Um, <laughs> t- tell us about people's, pro- you know, what are we looking at in terms of people getting in here and using it for real? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, if you if you go and sign up uh, and you can follow the link uh, in the show notes, but it'll show you it, it's very easy to sign up. You just add your your user or your organization if you're trying to sign up for work or, or for your open source organization. Um, I would say your wait time is probably in a, like a week or two at this point. It kind of depends. The only thing that's limiting us really at this point to getting folks in is we need to hear the feedback. You know, like we need to let people in, hear what right. they have to say, meet them see what's working well, see what's not working so great. Um, but I would agree that folks are moving through relatively quickly. Uh, it's still in a beta phase so we can respond to feedback. And sometimes that means breaking changes, you know, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's one of the tricky things about developer tools is responding to the feedback in a lot of cases will break an mm-hmm. API, you know? Um, but, but for us right now, it's been going really well from that perspective, especially in the new cohort, my hope was that in January, especially when folks kind of come back to work and they're like, I want to learn something new or I want to try this new thing out that we would start to get, you know, that additional that additional feedback. And we uh, we have so far. Yeah. What's uh, can you give us some examples of the feedback? Like any any big surprises, any major bumps or challenges? Um, so the feedback in some ways has kind of been, uh, you know, a, a little bit all over the place, like not in terms of good or bad, but just in terms of what people were using this for and sort of where they were either getting what they needed or had friction. Um, it was interesting when we were doing um, press for actions right after universe, we were sort of talking as a team about like how exactly to describe this, because in a lot of ways it's like saying, you know, we now offer paper and crayons, you know, and you can do whatever you want, you know? And of course, like that's not what the press team wants has the narrative as like, you know, cause a, a reporter will ask, what can you do with this? And you go, well, anything, you know, and, uh, in kind of what we've seen at this point is that anything, you know, um, a lot of folks are using actions to orchestrate amongst other outside tools. So, you know, sending an SMS or working with a uh, uh, IFTT or um, working with an internal tool and then sending an issue to uh, or sending a message to GitHub issues. Um, so that's been sort of one aspect of it. Uh, a lot of other folks in the open source community are using it for like the automated packaging bits of whatever they're building, which I think we kind of all expected to some degree. Um, the thing that uh, because of some limitations in the beta, we haven't seen that much yet, but is starting is the, um, workflow improvements that we talked about at the beginning, you know, creating a responding to a first time contributor, adding a label, all those sorts of things. So all of that has been, uh, been pretty good. Um, one of the things that we knew going into this, that was going to be difficult is that it is in a relatively prosumer state, right? It is something where if you understand Docker, if you understand the limitations they're in, if you can wrap your head around the workflow files and the documentation that we have, um, you know, then you're kind of good to go. If any of those words, you know, is is something that you don't really understand that well or you haven't had a ton of experience with, we're not necessarily making it really easy for you to come and use actions. So I think I think you see, you know, in Jess's blog posts and she was offering to meet with open source maintainers. Um, our product managers are out. The team is out. Everyone's out right now in this new effort to sort of talk to folks and understand, you know, what is the thing that's stopping you from uh, really 
diving in and loving actions. Because at this point, if you're a creator, generally speaking, you're you know doing pretty well with actions. If you prefer yeah. to consume, if you prefer to install plugins, then you're not really sure if this is exactly what you need at the moment. Um, and so we're working on that. But, uh, you know, I highly recommend folks reach out uh, both to me on Twitter or over email. Jess had an offer, any of us, because we'd love to we'd love to sort of figure that out because that's where we're at with the product is technically speaking we think we have most of it where it would need to be but before we sort of say yes here it is world everyone can have at it we want to make sure that it's really really a joy to use and not just a sort of step up improvement in your workflow in light of the creation side i'd love to go back to the visual editor and just focus yeah. on it maybe the technology for a minute you mentioned it was a separate service did I hear that correctly? Because it d- yes. does. I mean, as I'm using it, it appears to be running inside of the GitHub.com main application, unless it's like iframed or something. How does that service work? And how does it, how you guys build that? Yeah. So it's ultimately uh, a very, very sneaky iframe. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. They're making their way back. It's 2019, the year. Uh, r- make a note, Kyle Daigle, year of the iframe. It's back. <laughs> year uh, of the iframe. I oh like it. <laughs> yeah, I love iframes. I always have. So, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the reasons that we kind of approached it that way is uh, we have, um, if you've ever used any 3D files, for example, inside of GitHub, we use a very similar approach to render mm. 3D files and PSDs and images, and you can we get, offer you all kinds of functionality. Very similar approach to what we did with um, with actions with the actions editor, because we wanted a way to uh, iterate very quickly. Like that's candidly the the whole purpose of this is just being able to move very quickly, especially to customer feedback, because we knew this was going to be a brand new thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it would take some time. So the the code in this is uh, is I believe really canvas under the hood that the team that built the editor. Uh, we have some extremely extremely talented front end folks that jumped in on this uh, to make this work that uh, the way it needed to. Uh, there's kind of two major parts. There's obviously the um, the animation, the, the actual drawing of the workflow itself, and then we also have the code that is rewriting all of that into the workflow file. Um, using a server side uh, task. So that side of it is implementing the uh, or really parsing the uh, quasi HCL, the workflow file that we have right now, uh, mm-hmm. making sure the dependency tree works and then ultimately sending that dependency tree back to the UI, which is then rendering it uh, in the page itself. Um, we had gotcha. to build that separate parser piece in order to ultimately ensure that this thing could run. Um, because ultimately, when we first started, it would be very, very funny. We would be able to create these monstrosities of visual editors, uh, or rather workflows in the visual editor that uh, looked either very ridiculous, but were, uh, you know, contractually correct, or the exact opposite that were contractually mm. incorrect, but looked beautiful. Um, so the team did a really good job, even kind of in the last couple of weeks before we announced to make sure that the editor, um, you know, visually showed especially once you got to parallel workflows because for a period of time we were only working in a single workflow and that was very you know uh, i don't want to say easy to draw but much simpler to draw than say a parallelized workflow that has dependencies in it um but building those two things out uh one is a very, very, very difficult problem that we were able to sort of cheat around, which is, you know, how you draw out parallel workflows that ultimately have dependencies. Um, Building that tree is quite complex, but we kind of cheated slightly in order to get something that looks really good uh, and is still true uh, versus when we initially started and just had that sort of simple, that 
wrote, I keep saying simple, but I could never write the necessary uh, JavaScript <laughs> to do this, but to do the simple tree, uh, uh, which just had all the consecutive actions in it. Very interesting. I love that you're just sneaking in a completely different set of code inside an iframe there. And it, it hey, it, it tricked this guy. And hey, I build web, web UIs <laughs> for a living. So I didn't I didn't actually look under the hood. I would have seen it. But um, when you just when you said on the show that it was a service, I assumed it was just part of the main application. So that's a cool way of, you know, somewhat decoupling uh, at least your your teams and your products inside of what appears to be a holistic application. So maybe uh, listeners could take that little trick and say, hey, it's the year of the iframe, people. <laughs> yeah, there's all, kinds of, there's all kinds of very interesting things that you have to do when you have a website like ours that is under a tremendous amount of traffic, but is yeah. also a, a 10 or 11 year old Rails application. You know, and like we never, GitHub is, I think from the beginning, always kind of really cared about um, the product and like the user experience of what was happening. And in a lot of ways, sort of, uh, you know, slowed uh, to the uh, microservice uh, effication that we all kind of experienced over the last, you know, four or five years when that became very in vogue and it's been around forever, but, you know, it became very in vogue. And so for us, the thing that we're always sort of figuring out is, how can we make a technology choice that lets us move quickly in service of bringing a product or a tool or an experience to our customers? Um, and so you end up doing these tricky things where you think, okay, maybe I pull this service out so that way we don't have to, you know, uh, while we're iterating very quickly, we don't have to deal with the entire application while we're doing the launch editor or the parser or the scheduler, um, all these little things. But in a lot of cases, there's things that should be in the app. And, you know, for the for what powered actions, there's some pieces that are in the main GitHub, GitHub application. So there's all kinds of little tips and tricks as we bring new features to market uh, that we, you know, have to make that choice because uh, I don't think it's as simple as saying that there's, you know, a single technology approach that's just going to solve all our reliability problems or solve all the, you know, customer problems or product problems. And this, uh, this gave us a, you know, a tricky, a tricky way around that when we already had a, a solution like it for uh, all the 3D and image rendering. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com slash changelog. Move fast and fix things like we do here at Changelog. Catch your errors before your users do with Rollbar. If you're not using Rollbar yet or you haven't tried it yet, they have a special offer for you. Go to rollbar.com slash changelog. Sign up and integrate Rollbar to get $100 to donate to open source projects via Open Collective. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. So all this talk about actions has gotten me thinking about the BC boys right in the in the break. Why not? But uh, the next good step might be at the org level versus say just a repo level. So. Maybe I'm trying to run code analysis on all of our repos or different stuff like that. Do you see this moving in a direction of org level versus simply repo level? Oh, I mean, definitely. I think the I think the reason we started off with repo is we have a much clearer primitive with the repository, if that makes sense. You know, everything at GitHub is really baked around the repository at this point. But uh, if you noticed uh, over the past couple of months and at Universe and stuff, uh, we 
have started talking to our larger customers, like the folks that would use this from an organizational perspective, aside from the open source organizations, where they want to think about not even just one organization, but like two or three organizations all being a part of one business, if that makes sense. Yeah. So as we start to explore that as a company, you know, which we which we talked about unified business identity and things uh, that help that use case, um, we'll have a better sort of place as well as authorization management to do that because that's where this sort of starts to become difficult. We totally believe that organizations want to say, for example, one of the things that almost every business customer that I'm aware of and GitHub does is every time a new repo is created, take some sort of action. Sometimes it's auditing. Sometimes it's create, you know, making sure the right people have the right permissions. Uh, any any business of, of medium to large scale does some automated action that way. And of course, we're looking at actions and going, well, obviously, this could make this very easy because it would be auditable. It'll be uh, always run for them. Uh, but the trick is who should have access to this? Where should it live? Like all of those sorts of questions. So I think we have probably a little bit of more foundation to lay to let those use cases be simple still inside of GitHub and not sort of get uh, into a, a horrible uh, authorization management structure that, you know, all apps that sort of go that way tend to tend to fall into um, and still let our customers, you know, execute things for every single repo or every single issue or every time a user is added, send them a welcome message, any of those sorts of things that currently our customers unfortunately have to do, you know, on their own hardware or by building their own things. I would imagine too, when you think through product development like this, you're thinking, okay, here's an idea for phase two or phase three, and maybe that's orgs. So like given GitHub actions is successful, then we can come back to this bigger, greater idea and we can see where it goes. Visionaries can see org level, you know, actions being important. However, maybe right now you need to do far more feedback and iteration on the, the core of it rather than thinking big picture at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I also think it's about, you know, us wanting to solve a, you know, a singular of a user problem or at least like a, you know, a developer tool problem as we can, instead of necessarily wrapping it all up in uh, addressing that there's this like larger overarching primitive that everyone wants or like would like to have, which is this business identity piece. So for us, when we try to solve problems like this, especially with new, uh, like relatively novel things like actions, we want to prove the case first that like the, the the super nerd or like the high high end developer the folks that really want to dive into this find this intriguing and interesting because if they find it intriguing and interesting then it's likely that their open source projects their teammates their businesses will also find it interesting and then we can bubble that up uh you know through organizations through the rest of the product as well um so we're trying to focus on one piece first uh, but i i can't see how we wouldn't also allow these to be run at an organizational level down the road so we started out the show talking about marketplace, and then when we moved into the conversation around actions, we talked about ProBot and a lot of the app, the apps and the bots, uh, a lot of that functionality probably being uh, rolled into actions or eventually you build it directly in actions, kind of eating that uh, piece of the pie. It seems like, especially when we talk about CICD, um, you know, parallelism aside or resource limits aside, it seems like maybe the 80-20 use case for that, the 80% of people are going to be okay just running their CI on GitHub Actions, I would think, assuming the product works and successful and all that. That being said, you have all these marketplace vendors and you have you know, partners and um, you, know, you have the Circle CIs, the Travis CIs, all these companies who've built businesses around 
GitHub as a platform. And that's when I said maybe it's at odds, uh, which I do see that as, as potentially being problematic as Actions becomes more popular and uh, I can just go grab the Ruby on Rails CI workflow and just throw it in my repo. I don't need to look beyond GitHub's domain. Can you speak to that and what you guys are thinking in terms of, you know, potentially angering some of your vendors or competing directly as the platform with uh, the marketplace? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when we decided to go this uh, route, even when we were really just exploring it, we started to immediately share what we were up to, um, you know, with with our partners, uh, you know, both to work with us if it made sense to them or just kind of giving them a heads up. I think it's really important uh, as we're building these things that, like you said, you know, uh, encroach, if not, you know, directly compete with them, that mm -hmm. we're just honest about what we're doing. They're businesses, you know, there's people on the other side and they deserve to know what we're trying to do. I think for us and in the conversations that came out of that and at Universe, you know, what it, what it sort of comes down to is that customers, uh, uh, customers, first off, are always going to choose the product that they think is like fulfilling their need the most. You know, servers have always been around to run CI. People haven't always stuck with Jenkins. They go and try Travis CI. Um, if Travis CI isn't matching what they want, then maybe they're using um, uh, Azure DevOps in their pipelines product. Like folks are jumping around to really find the great fit. So uh, when we started talking to them, I do think that each one of these products offers something that is unique, you know, and is separate from what GitHub is completely offering. Even if we compete on a pure like compute level, like you said, like let's say we're all offering the same parallelization, we're all offering the same compute. I don't necessarily think that uh, what Actions is offering is going to completely, you know, er eradicate the need for an external CI product that is solely focused on CI. Do I think that open source projects, small teams are going to probably use Actions over the time? Over time, absolutely, I do. I think mm -hmm. it'll be easier. I think it'll be fast. Um, it'll be inexpensive. You know or free depending. And so it'll be, it'll be something that I think most people will go to. I also think though, that we in a way sort of have a responsibility to uh, acknowledge when like the industry water level is rising, if that makes sense. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, we created projects into GitHub where when, when Kanban yeah. boards and project boards seemed like an absolute necessity, uh, regardless of whether you're creating a uh, you know, a soup to nuts uh, project management or issue management application. It seemed like everyone needed this. And so we added it to the application and we work with our project uh, partners and they actually saw that their um, uh, business actually went up because uh, we hypothesize at least that we brought some, you know, uh, visibility into that market segment and thus folks went, Oh, we could use this, but this product actually has this very particular thing that we're looking for or whatever. And then they would go and use them. So, um, I think the same is true in some ways with CI or at least this like raw compute uh, piece, which is everyone's offering compute like that is yeah. not going away. And so by us going, OK, the raw compute piece is commoditized. That's just what it is. Um, and we want to help our developers be better software developers or be more productive software developers inside of their businesses. So maybe we should offer that to them and let them build the tools. Um, I would love a future case where uh, an entire developer tool could be an action that is charged for, you know, like I talked about, I'll be in pull reminders at the beginning. Um, there's tons of other small businesses, uh, like Greenkeeper uh, and others that do that sort of, uh, we're going to do one very particular thing. I would love them to be able to build an action or a set of actions, a workflow, let us run it. And that can be the developer tool that you purchase mm -hmm. for 
$5 a user or whatever it is. So, you know, I, it's definitely, it definitely competes. Like there's no, there's no saying it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that it's, uh, it's going to stop these large businesses from being a necessity for a lot of companies. Um, what I hope it does though, is let's small businesses or even large businesses that want to try something out, build these very niche, interesting, um, bots, tools, actions, you know, uh, getting those into market, potentially open source is attached to a commercial product, which has been a very successful, you know, uh, avenue for a lot of folks, or hopefully down the road, being able to sell them. Um, so that way as a, you know, a small developer, my entire side business could be a Docker container, not running it, not supporting the payment for it, <laughs> just a Docker container, you know, I was just thinking that. So the, the workflows are open source, but they ultimately execute code that's inside of a Docker container. And the Docker container has to be published somewhere that GitHub can fetch it. But the con the contents of the container are not necessarily open source, right? So I could have a proprietary tool inside a Docker container that, by, by the way, I have zero infrastructure at this point, like you like you pointed out. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of bringing the indies even more to the table because um, yeah. I don't have to worry about any sort of server infrastructure. But uh, be just because the workflows are open source doesn't mean all of the tooling necessarily is. Right. And I think, you know, like right now, for example, if GitHub uh, wanted to use an action or write its own action, it's you can also embed those actions directly inside like the repo, the private repo. So there are there is an idea that like not every single action itself is currently public. It's just that, you know, in the current avenue that we're using it and doing beta testing, the, the vast majority of them are because of the, the sort of open source side of things. You know, I think the, the, the question looking towards the future is like you said, like, how can we I, you know, first off, should we like, should we support this, this avenue and making it easier this way? Um, but then also how can we make it so that, you know, I could create an action, um, that is, that should be private or should be compensated for. Maybe it's not private. Maybe it is public and it's just, um, uh, you know, an additional license like uh, sidekick and what Mike Perham does, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think there's like a lot of different ways for us to help both the person that's writing this uh, software and ultimately bringing us to market. And then also all the developers that could benefit from having a tool like they're building. We also talked earlier about discovery being an issue and obviously marketplace is there. And I'm noticing yeah. that you have GitHub actions actually in the top part of it on, uh, on slash marketplace, an entirely new way to automate your development workflow. You got, a view all there and they're all pretty simplistic. The installation process is pretty simple. You just say copy and paste mm -hmm. basically into a, a repository. Can you paint a picture for maybe since, uh, you know, part of your background is actually establishing marketplace, maybe what mm -hmm. some of the vision might be for how this will eventually get easier, faster, better, or more, you know, more visibility to other actions and how you plan to surface those. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the actions that are currently in marketplace at the moment are ones that we created or we had a hand in sort of supporting the creation of not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, so like you mentioned, there's very few in there at the moment and doesn't match um, like Sarah's list of actions, for example, um, looking towards the future. The, the thing that we definitely want to do is not just list them all out, but make discovery meaningful um, because there's way more actions than any list or even just like name and description based search would actually be value like valuable for. So the thing that uh, I'm really, really excited about as someone that has cared about our external platform for a while is trying to figure out how folks are using them together 
or just using them at all. Um, like you'll notice the marketplace right now doesn't really have a rating system in it. Um, you know, those have historically been uh, gamified and don't always work. And if if you have an unfortunate customer uh, issue, maybe you go down or something, all your ratings go down too. Like there's not a very strong signal to noise ratio on a lot of these rating systems. And you can see that in like almost every app yeah. store, you know, and there's been developer responses and it becomes a full-time job to manage your rating. And so we're... Uh, looking at ways like how can I show you that an action is uh, well used and well liked by customers that do similar software projects as you do or in organizations of a similar size as yours. Um, uh, we have so much information that is completely public information and not even looking at any of the sort of private usage that we could use to help make um, make it so that we, when you land on this page, we're not just showing you, um, you know, a couple of integrations you can get on the outside, a bunch of the GitHub actions that are available and sort of just say like, listen, we know you have CI. Um, you don't seem to have any static code analysis, but your repository is, uh, or your, or your organization, uh, almost always works in Python. So here is something that most Python folks use at an organization of your scale you know, and they've used it for months. Like that's something that where would uh, that be at? Would that be like the repo level or it could be at the repo level. It could yeah. be at the organization level. It kind of depends, right? Because you know, like at GitHub, we don't uh, all use Ruby, right? We use Ruby. We use Python. If you're in machine learning, we use go. If you're writing services, we use C and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, it would kind of depend on where you're looking at. And so we've looked at ways to make it easier to do this from your repository page already for the other marketplace apps. If you already have an app, we, we suggest you, you know, use it with your other uh, repos, etc. But I think for actions, since we're able to see that it ran, that it ran successfully or it failed or, you know, uh, it, it got installed and then immediately uninstalled, like all those sorts of things, uh, we're, we're able to bring a discovery story that'll hopefully be really valuable, you know, to you and not just here are the top 10 actions that everyone uses, which I feel like in a lot of cases, most app stores or plugin markets kind of devolve into, which is this is the top 10 and then here are the categories and what kind of category you're looking for. Um, one of the other things I think that we have sort of overlooked a bit in marketplace, which I'd like to sort of address is a lot of these uh, categories, for example, or verticals of these tools. Uh, folks don't know what they even mean, you know, like <laughs> dependency management is a word we kind of all use, but it, uh, it fills in a lot of different use cases. Uh, uh, continuous integration is a little bit better. Static code analysis, again, who the hell knows? It can get a little bit tricky. Uh, and so I think there's a, a, a an education piece that we could help bring to you um, and say, here's an action that does this one thing. So you can kind of give it a go. If the action doesn't serve what you need, then you can go get Code Climate, you know, or one of the other tools that can tell you a little bit more about your code. Um, so I, I definitely think there's going to be a lot more investment. We've been focusing on the producer side of actions for a bit, but uh, over the next couple of weeks, you should see um, some easier ways to find actions. Um, like you mentioned, make it easier to install actions and then hopefully get to the point where we can just say, and here's potentially a workflow that would make sense for you, or here's an action that will round out your workflow really well. Is it safe to say that uh, you're betting big on this? Have you gotten far enough down the road of the beta to feel good about it that, you know, as a company, there's a big bet on this? Um, you know, I think the thing that we're, uh, we're betting big on more than anything else really is this idea that, uh, you know, the extensibility of, of, of the experience on GitHub is the thing that we really want to make, um, uh, uh, 
like a bet on, you know, we're, we're obviously making it so that way more people can use GitHub with the free private repos that we offered. Right. Well, you know, we're, we're trying to make it easier to, to fill in all those little usage gaps that maybe were bothering like 5% of folks, uh, with the way it worked. And then we released another improvement that 5% better for that other 5%, so on and so forth. Um, and I think, I think with this, what we're sort of saying is, is we know our experience is powerful, but we might not have absolutely everything that you need, you know, we might have everything you need, but we want to make it so your GitHub experience is continuously getting better every day, uh, especially if you're bringing these outside tools in or using actions. So I think it's extremely interesting that we're doing the static code execution. Uh, I think that is like we, we, we said it at universe and I, I truly believe it that actions will be the next big movement in software development after pull requests. You know, when those came out, they were very big and they changed the way that a lot of people were writing software. Now, I think we're going to do the same thing, but for your software development workflow, um, which is historically, I feel like, been either ignored or as an afterthought. You know, we spend so much time focusing on, okay, what does this code review look like? Or are we doing test-driven development? Or is a BDD better? And all these other things. And now we're sort of saying, okay, you also have this entire other part of what software development is, which is after the software is written or while it's written, you know, how do I know it's good? How do I know it's going to run well? How do I know that it got deployed? How do I know once it's been deployed that it's functioning the way I want? How do I read the stats into GitHub and have that experience in a single place um, instead of having to work with all these independent entities? So, I mean, right now with all the customers that we have in the beta, the feedback has been good. You know, like it's, it's, it's really scratching the itch for some folks. Like you mentioned the buzz on Twitter kind of picking up and like, I I agree. I love reading what people are doing with it. And uh, now the thing for me is how do I get actions to all 30 million people and make it be something that uh, is as impactful, um, if not more impactful than when, you know, GitHub released the pull request. And just to reiterate to those that are in the marketplace now and, you know, people who may consider, Hey, GitHub's getting into my world. They could be, you know, stepping on my toes or something like that with CI, for example. Uh, I think one point you said earlier that I want to reiterate is that, you know, that actions will play a role for open source developers. And these are typically people that they're giving free accounts to anyways, which is sort of mm-hmm. a growth hack model for mm-hmm. most of these businesses. So I can mm-hmm. kind of see some, you know, some side eye from that perspective. However, as you mentioned, in some ways you're educating that, hey, you may need CI and you don't even know it, or you may need code quality or whatever. So you're surfacing needs, not so much solutions. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that one of the things like, like you mentioned, all, most uh, CI tools offer free CI, right? Yeah. And it is, it is a growth, it is a growth thing. Um, you know, uh, a lot of those uh, products uh, or a lot of the, a lot of the folks that use those CI tools for their free open source, whether it's a big project or just some little side repo is also so that you go to work and you say, I really love using insert CI tool here, right? And you get that experience. And so I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, the the experience of trying out these tools, figuring out what matches, going and, you know, buying the tool at work or deciding to use it in your small business or whatever, like that process is always going to continue because developers have very particular taste. Uh, GitHub is not the only version control host in the world. You know, uh, Travis CI is not the only CI tool in the world. Uh, you know, Emacs, Vim, Atom, uh, VS Code, all those things exist, in my opinion, because everyone has a slightly different taste. There's bigger or there's bigger companies than us that offer CI or offer code execution. There's Google Cloud Platform with their functions. 
Uh, Azure has functions as well. There's Lambda. There's all these things that do something a, a little bit simpler. The reason why we think it is worth uh, building actions right now is that it is the um, the network that you would have to build to do all these little things in all these different places. We just want you to have a simpler experience in doing that. If you're going to build the absolute best, uh, uh, you know, editor or whatever, we want you to be able to do that. If you're going to build the best error tracker, we want you to be able to do that. Yes, there might be some open source action or private action or whatever that does something similar, but, um, but we still work. We have an entire partner engineering team that works with our partners to make sure they're building things uh, that are valuable for their customers, as well as helping them implement new features. We have a partner management team uh, that works in ecosystem as well to do all these things. So uh, we're, we're very excited to continue to work with partners and all this stuff. Um, and, and I hope no one sort of leaves this conversation or looks at the launch of actions and just kind of throws their hands up and says, well, I guess there goes, you know, insert, uh, integrator vertical here. Uh, my hope is if anything, folks are going to see actions, use it for where it makes great sense for them. And then also go and look and say, Oh, well, you know, I actually would rather go buy, um, this package management tool. And I'll just use my action to push into that package management yeah. tool. You know, I was gonna say, it's almost like an opportunity for a land grab too, for some of these partners, because they can easily come on here. You know, I'm looking at the actions list here on marketplace, which is accessible to anybody. We'll put in the show notes, but I'm seeing like, you know, GitHub Action for Azure, GitHub Action for yep. Heroku. You know, it's not like you know, it's GitHub Action for GitHub CI. It's, you know, you're using yep. third-party vendors and they can easily come in here and, you know, help folks to use actions to benefit the usage of their their tool anyways. So it's it's an opportunity for them to play as well. Yeah, completely. And I think one of the interesting things when we were talking to a lot of folks, like we, like you mentioned at Universe, the second day we showed a lot of partners and community folks like using actions because we gave them some early access. A lot of the partners that we talked to were very interested because they um, saw actions as an opportunity to do something new and unique versus their main product. And so obviously I can't talk in too many specifics about this because a lot of this stuff hasn't launched yet. But if you can look at like a simple uh, a simple tool that uh, does static code analysis, for example, maybe there's some way for them to, you know, add a, CI, a CLI or something via an action that lets you sort of de uh, demark at this point, this PR, this comment or whatever um, that, uh, you know, this was introduced or here's the explanation as to why I built this. So that way I can see that in the other tool. You see like the sneak um, action in there with their CLI trying to do uh, a very similar thing of letting us just like interact with this other tool. The thing I'm excited about more than anything is not uh, not hopefully creating a situation where folks feel like we're competing, but that we're also letting these partners create have a new avenue to, you know, work with customers uh, and say, uh, like you said, create an interesting interesting action that extends their existing business uh, and, you know, puts it in the marketplace or just open yeah. sources it regardless. So that way customers know, Oh, uh, there's this new way to interact with a tool I already pay for. There's a new thing that I'd love to go try out their tool. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that we'll see more of as we get to a, you know, the public phase uh, of the beta program that we're running. I'm interested to see the future of paid actions. I think that could be an interesting thing to, to consider, but uh, point the lens towards the future. You know, there may not be a ton you can say about the future of actions, but maybe some things you can tease and or name drop. So, you know, what's on the horizon for you and actions and the teams behind actions, you know, that may not exactly be public knowledge per se yet, maybe hidden in the details somewhere. What are, give us some over the hill just near the future uh, explanation of like where things are going or anything that, that uh, we haven't covered yet. 
Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think, uh, I think there's kind of a couple things. So, I mean, obviously we, we want to bring the actual like, compute to more folks and get further along in the beta program to get uh, more folks access to potentially more powerful machines or, or more powerful use cases for them. I think that's one thing. Um, the thing that uh, we've kind of been playing with, which uh, I can mention is we had a, um, we recently released a, a new API to the platform called the content attachments API, which basically allows integrators to be able to put in more data into their sort of response into an issue comment. Every integrator generally uses some version of an issue comment to give you data. But what could happen if, for example, RunKit, uh, which is a very popular tool, uh, allowed you to be able to, uh, you know, pass back a sort of rich version of uh, the, the, the thing that they just ran uh, on your behalf instead of sort of formatting it into Markdown and so on. Um, I share that single example as a way to show that, like, what we're sort of looking to for actions is not just the code execution piece. I think that's what gives this like the excitement is you mm-hmm. could do anything, but what happens when you can use actions to further change your GitHub experience? You know, uh, folks do this already uh, by sort of hacking the platform features that we offer, like statuses or checks, like run an action and fail it if this person didn't describe what this thing did in their PR, right? Um, and so they, they kind of cheat the system and use a, use a tool that was meant for CI to, to do something else. But what happens if we allow the customer to say, add a button somewhere as part of an action? Or what happens if when you press that button, an action runs? does a result and gets sent back uh, what happens if we're able to use that action to put content uh, elsewhere in the site like maybe um, I'm a engineering leader and I want everyone to listen to the change log you know so I want them to know when of it course. exists right obviously so what happens, if, <laughs> what happens if uh, I growth hacked my way into creating an action that yeah. you know puts an event into the dashboard for example because I want that for my organization a lot of the things that are necessary to do that is sort of further extending our external platform uh, to to provide these use cases to make the GitHub experience different instead of necessarily um, kind of always treating integrations and actions as these tools that you go out to and then you sort of get drip drops of information back via issue comments or statuses or checks or whatever. Let's try and create new and interesting ways to extend your GitHub experience that makes your life easier and isn't isn't sort of hacky or dropping all this information everywhere, um, but lets you have that, you know, rich, that rich experience. Um, like you mentioned, I don't think that like code execution is, I think code execution is going to continue to continue to grow, meaning like we're going to find new and interesting ways to help contributors, um, you know, learn more about their existing code, um, being able to take advantage of the learnings that GitHub can have at the scale that we have via using an action. For example, if you wanted to learn more about what, how your code base compares or how this function changes or whatever, we've done all kinds of interesting things, uh, in that regard that we've been sort of drip dropping out as well. So, um, I think actions is, uh, is at the center of this plan to helping you have the exact experience and workflow that you want. Um, and so, uh, I know that was uh, slightly vague, uh, please excuse, <laughs> please excuse my best uh, Apple invitation. Uh, but, uh, I think you can see when you look at a lot of the features that we've added to the platform, um, you know, kind of where we're headed with this. Uh, I, I mentioned that when we were talking at universe that, you know, actions, uh, in retrospect, when you go back and you look through, we added checks and that was a big feature when that came out to improve over statuses. We added uh, more ways to interact. We added the GraphQL API. We've made all these investments in the platform and actions starts to show you where once we have all these foundation pieces in place, what can happen? And so once we sort of cement 
arbitrary code execution and workflow management as a piece. Uh, we're, you know, I'm excited to continue to add those experiences on top of, you know, the GitHub that we all use and, and know and love um, uh, over the coming year or two. I'm excited. Uh, I think it, based on that, I can really see an interesting future for this. I mean, I can even see where uh, you might have paid tiers to where, you know, something I want to compute is a little bit more than you're willing to give me for free. And maybe at some point you can say, well, Hey, you can pay for a slightly longer compute mm-hmm. cycle or something like that. Even it's just, there's a lot of opportunities here and it's interesting how it becomes um, this, you know, this separate layer on GitHub that just extends it. As you said, I, I think it's really interesting to see where this goes. Kyle, thank you so much, man. It was really appreciated to, to get this time with you and to walk through actions in this way. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah. Thanks both of you. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the change log if you enjoyed this show do us a favor go into itunes or apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review go into overcast and favorite it tweet a link to it share it with a friend and by the way you can discuss this episode at changelog.com with fellow community members of course thank you to our sponsors and partners digital ocean get prime roll bar also thanks to fastly our bandwidth partner head to fastly.com to learn more and we're able to move fast and fix things here at changelog because of rollbar check them out at rollbar.com and we're hosted on lino cloud servers lino.com slash changelog check them out support this show this episode was hosted by myself adam stakoviak and jared santo editing mixing and mastering was done by tim smith music is by the one and only breakmaster cylinder and if you want to hear more shows like this subscribe to our master feed at changelog.com slash master or go into your podcast app and search for change log master you'll find it subscribe get all of our shows as well as some extras that only hit the master feed thanks again for listening we'll see you soon you log in during a show bro you're like that's like that's like pro level stat that's like expert uh black belt stuff right there you know, I was just, uh, it was there. I was like, why not? You did it. It's awesome. Uh, commenting too, bro. I saw, well, that's how I noticed. Cause I saw the news Double comments, up. uh, the news comments channel pinged me and I was like, what? I'm Nick Nisi. This is K-Ball. And I'm Rachel White. We're panelists on JS Party, a community celebration of JavaScript and the web. Every Thursday at noon central, a few of us get together and chat about JavaScript, Node, and topics ranging from practical accessibility to weird web APIs. Jared, I just have to ask a a very serious question. When you're using that operator, uh, do you actually blurt out, bang, bang? (laughs) If you were working in an office, would everybody just look at you? I I don't blurt it out, but I definitely say it in my head every single time. Join us live on Thursdays at noon central. Listen and Slack with us in real time or wait for the recording to hit. New episodes come out each Friday. Find the show at changelog.com slash JS party or wherever you listen to podcasts.